0: What is up, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Three and D. I'm Paul Lombardi. I'd like to welcome everyone back to the Review and Preview Network for my weekly NBA and college basketball show. Make sure to check us out on all social media, uh, net on all social media and platforms, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. In tonight's episode, it is finally March, so we got a jam-packed episode for you guys. We're going to go over the AP poll that just dropped, some of the top college games of the week, the. Mid major tournaments that are going to be starting all of the all of them we got about eight ish that are going down this week and then we'll preview the WCC tournament and it's extremely weird bracket and later on Alec Walt will be joining the show to talk some Boston Celtics so hope everybody's doing well plenty of huge basketball going down uh over the past you know week and. Uh, so on, so forth. It's going to be an intense month. We are officially in March, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest month of the sporting uh, the sporting year, in my opinion. I mean, it would be nice if we had uh, if we had spring training baseball, something to look forward to in April, but you know, that's that's definitely not the case. We got a few comments here. We got Hank and Dichter. What's good? What's up, Hank? Review and preview zone, Henry and Dichter right there, Mike Ralston. Let's go, Bulls. Let's go, Hawkeyes! I'm telling you, you you got a bulls and um, bulls and an Iowa fan. You, you're you're living life pretty well this year. Uh, Iowa's definitely been exceeding expectations um, intensely. I I thought that they weren't going to do much after lo- losing Garza and Wieskamp Camp and all the rest of them, but Keegan Murray has been ridiculous, and we'll definitely be getting into uh, into him in a few. So. Jumping into some of the headlines of the week. Obviously, there's drama with the Nets and Lakers, so we got to go over it. The two most hyped-up teams going into the year. Uh, The Kyrie Irving situation seems like it could be getting better, but not completely, as as the rules came out that the New York City Mayor, Eric Adams, might be lifting the vaccine mandate, which means that Kyrie Irving can play. But one of the crazy things is that uh, Kyrie Irving, The one of the crazy things, though, is because Kyrie Irving hasn't been able to play and other unvaccinated players have been able to travel in and been able to play, so that's, you know, create a lot of drama around the Nets. And then, obviously, Kevin Durant's out. They got a ton of injuries going on right now. Um, ben Simmons still hasn't played yet. He hasn't played a, a second of basketball this season, so you're wondering what's up with them. And they, they dropped another game last night. They dropped the game to the Raptors. Um, And they keep falling further and further behind. They're in the play-in right now, you know. Um, So it'll be interesting to see if they get fully healthy, um, how far they can go. They're definitely, in my opinion, you know, I think that they're a really loaded team. And I think that they're built to win championships soon. But I think that this year might be a little bit difficult because they've dug themselves into a pretty big hole, to be completely honest with you. And I don't know what the status on Kevin Durant's going to be. I don't know what the status on Ben Simmons is going to be. But if you can get them fully healthy for the start of next season, I know Nets fans don't want to hear that. um, But they're all under contract for next year. You'll be able to have a big three of Kyrie, KD, and Ben Simmons going into the season, barring any setbacks. So I... I think that next year might be their year. And as for the Lakers, I don't think that this year is their year, and I don't think next year is their year. The Lakers are in a completely different uh, scenario. They they have everyone healthy for the most part besides Anthony Davis. Um, I mean, you can argue Anthony Davis has been you know hurt for most of the season. LeBron was kind of hurt. So you can argue that they've had injuries, but throw the injuries away. They just have not played well. You know, you have to – you have to admit that all the Lakers fans have to admit that they just have not played up to standard. And, you know, saw the LeBron fans coming out and saying, you know, he's 37 years old. You can't, can't expect him to uh, carry a team, but that was not the energy that we were getting from Lakers fans in the preseason when, you know, they were saying that he was the best player in the league and that he can easily play. So, you know, the narrative quickly changes once you start losing and I'm, I'm a Knicks fan. So I, I know a thing or two about that, but the Lakers keep falling. They're at the bottom of the play-in right now in the West. They're five games under 500. Russell Westbrook's been healthy all season, but has been extremely inconsistent, and a lot of people will question if he was actually the right move. Uh, you know, it was LeBron's want desire to have him on the team, so... It's they're they're both they've both dug themselves into a deep hole a little bit. I think the Lakers have dug themselves into a deeper hole because the Nets at least have Durant and Simmons to look forward to. I think the Lakers, I don't see them doing much and I I don't see them being able to revamp this roster uh, going into next season either. I really I really don't know what they're going to do from here on out. Uh, They're kind of stuck. They're stuck with LeBron. I mean, you're never stuck with LeBron because LeBron's a tremendous player. Like, I'm not going to you know, sit here and act like he isn't. But you're never stuck with LeBron. You're never stuck with Anthony Davis. But the two of them, LeBron's getting towards the end of his career. Anthony Davis has been injury-prone his entire career. And, you know, that's the price you're going to have to pay. And then and Westbrook um, has one more year left on his contract. And then he can finally become a free agent. You could possibly get rid of him after that. But it's... Lakers are in big trouble. The Nets could be in trouble just for this season, in my opinion. Um, I feel like there's too many teams in the Eastern Conference. The Eastern Conference is so deep, it's much deeper than the West. West is more star power in the front and kind of falls off at the end. Eastern Conference is all around stacked. You know, you got a Bulls team that can shockingly make a run, you got a Heat team that can make a run that's experienced too. This Heat team is pretty much put together and they were, they were in the finals just two years ago. So you really never know. And we got Mike. I deserve cause I'm also a Texans fan. I'm really sorry about that. I'm really sorry. Well, I mean, I'm a chiefs fan, but I'm also a Knicks and Mets fan. So I, 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 I hear you. I hear you. LeBron coming in and making a mess of things. What a shocker. Russell Westbrook backfiring in their face. Also a shocker. Yeah. You can tell that Hank isn't the biggest uh, Lakers supporter. You know, he's a true New Yorker, like, like, you know, like the rest of us. But, um, you know, I, I think that it's, it's going to be really tough. It's going to be a very tough situation for both teams. Now we'll jump over to a little college basketball. We'll get back into NBA a little bit later when we get Alec Walt on the show around seven, around 730. Um, the AP poll came out and obviously eight of the 10 uh, top 10 teams this past week. All, um, lost. So that was the first time I think that happened in like a, ever. I'm pretty sure, or like a, or a long time. I don't even know what the specific status but it's first time that's happened in a long time. So there. So needless to say, there was a, a bit of a shakeup in the top ten this week, and Zaga stayed at number one, which was a little interesting. A little interesting, in my opinion. I mean, if, if Auburn won. You know, if Auburn didn't lose a game, Auburn would have easily overlapped Gonzaga. But, you know, since Auburn lost and Purdue lost and all the rest of them lost, there wasn't really anybody to overlap them. So Gonzaga kind of remained at number one. The big jumper, though, Baylor jumped seven spots. They jumped from 10 to three this week um, after a couple of big wins. Very interesting. They were, you know, in the top five. They were undefeated for a good portion of the season. And then kind of fell off a little bit, but they jumped from ten to three. Auburn fell from three to five. Uh, that's that was after after their loss. Purdue fell four spots from four to eight. Wisconsin jumped th- jumped three spots from thirteen to ten, which I thought was kind of weird. To be completely honest with you, um, I thought that Wisconsin should have been. Should have gotten much higher than a 10 seed this week. They're, um, well, ranked 10th in the nation this week. I think that they're a good team, and I think that they've kind of they pretty much proven that. Uh, with and they're also first in the Big Ten too, which is incredible. You know, I don't think everyone kind of wrote off Wisconsin during the preseason, didn't think that they were going to be as competitive as as possible, but they they jumped from 13 to 10, so. Uh, Wisconsin's up to ten now, even though they're first in the Big Ten. Purdue is second in the Big Ten, but they're still a better a better ranking than uh, Wisconsin at number eight. Arkansas and Houston both tied at fourteen at fourteen, so uh, both of them are the fourteen this week. They both had seven hundred fifty nine points. UCLA fell five spots from twelve to seventeen. I'm telling you, UCLA has fallen off. It's kind of crazy. They're down to seventeen now. UConn jumped three spots from twenty one to eighteen. Saint Mary's after their big win against Gonzaga, they jumped 3 spots from 21 to 18 or from 23 they jumped 4 spots from 23 to 19 I should say. Illinois was one of the big fallers. They fell 5 spots from 15 to 20. Murray State once again keeps moving. They they remain um they stay in the top 25 even though they lost uh their fir- their first conference loss of the season too. They fell 3 spots from 19 to 22. And Nobody fell out of the top 25 and no new members this week. So everyone who was in the top 25 last week remained in the top 25 this week. Just different positionings. Um, I think Alabama kind of moved from 25 to 24 or something like that. Someone moved down from 24 to 25. There they, there was just a little bit of movement, but there's no new members. in basically the final eight people, because there will be another one next week. But um, conference, play, conference tournaments start this week, and... Next week, the uh, all the big conferences are going to start their conference tournaments. Then, uh, then a week from this upcoming Sunday is Selection Sunday. So that's going to, that's going to make it interesting. Got to trade LeBron to the Cavs. That's I'm telling you that's that's been taking the world by storm. Uh, that idea, one in six lose the same weekend. This is just a tune up for madness. Absolutely agree, Brad. We're getting into it. The it's it's beginning to spread. I'm telling you. It's beginning to spread. I'm excited about it. I'm gonna say it already. My bracket is busted. Absolutely. You know, you, you I I'm not going to, I wouldn't put down a ton of money on this year's tournament. There's gonna to be something crazy that happens. That game is tonight. Who do you have in that Purdue, Wisconsin? I know that game is tonight. We're gonna to be um we're gonna be going over that in just just a couple, but who do I have in that game? It's tough. I'm gonna to, going to say Wisconsin just because um, of their recent success I'm a big Johnny Davis fan and I think that they're gonna they're gonna kind of pull it out I I ha- I have a feeling but I'm also a big Jaden Ivy fan too so very tough So now let's jump over to the top college games of the week We'll go over Purdue Wisconsin because that's of course part of it but not including any of the games last night we got tonight is a pretty decent slate we got four games. On here there tonight, Tuesday at 630, which is actually going on right now. You can tune in number nine Providence taking on number 11 Villanova last game of the season for for Providence. Um, this and then they're they'll be getting ready for the Big East tournament Providence 24 and 3, 14 and two conference play. They won the Big East for the first time in in the university's history in the college's history, I should say, um, They already wrapped up the uh, regular season Big East win. Nate Watson has been their star player, averaging 14-6. And Durham, averaging 13-3-3. And Villanova, on the other hand, 21-7, 14-4 in conference play. They have the game tonight, and then their final game will be Saturday against Butler before the Big East tournament starts. Uh, Colin Gillespie and Justin Moore have both been their leading scorers. So this will definitely be an interesting one. Then we got Michigan State taking on Michigan. Michigan. that's going to be a really good game i mean both unranked teams obviously but both are making pushes for the tournament anytime a michigan state michigan games going on you you got to include it so that's going down tonight at 8 30. um michigan state 19 and 9 10 7 conference play they're taking on michigan tonight and then they got ohio state on thursday and maryland sunday so they do not have a cupcake schedule to uh to end the way they they gotta watch out or they could definitely uh finish the season 10 and 10 in conference play. And Tyson Walker hit that dagger to beat Purdue. That was part of the reason why Purdue fell uh this week in the rankings. They lost to Michigan State. And then Michigan, on the other hand, 15 and 12. They're nine and eight in conference play. They're one and one now without Jawan Howard. They got Michigan State tonight. Then they have Iowa on Thursday and Ohio State on Sunday. So again, very tough the rest of the way. I mean, if you're playing the biggie in the Big Ten you're going to have a difficult schedule one way or another. It's the best conference in college basketball right now. we got another comment from Alec Wald, who will be joining the show in just a little bit. Bonnie's at VCU will be a great game tonight. Absolutely. We're going, to talk, we're going to talk some Bonnie's with him for sure, because I got some questions about that. I'm not the biggest Bonnie fan. I know that they were hyped up before the season, but I I want to know what a real Bonnie thinks about uh, St. Bonaventure. But jumping over to the, to the game that Tom brought up, we got number eight Purdue taking on number ten Wisconsin tonight at nine o'clock. Uh, this is definitely the game of the night. The one, the first place in the Big Ten, Wisconsin versus second place in the Big Ten, Purdue. Purdue is twenty-four and five this season, thirteen and five in conference play. Lost to Michigan State this past week, and their last game will be against Indiana on Saturday. Uh, Jaden Ivey, Zach Eady, Tra- Travion Williams been their big three. We've been talked about them plenty. Uh, this season. And then Wisconsin, 23-5, and 14-4 in conference play, first in the Big Ten. They got this game, and then they have Nebraska on Sunday, and then their season is over, and they'll be getting ready for the Big Ten tournament next week. Johnny Davis averaging 20.5 points per game, along with 8.3 rebounds, and Brad Davison averaging a quiet 14.2 points. He's one of the uh, one of the lower-known solid players in the country, I'll tell you that. And then we'll jump over to a little Pac 12 that's going on later tonight. Anybody, any of you night owls that want to stay up on a work night and watch some Pac 12 basketball with Bill Walton most likely being on the call. Number two, Arizona is taking on number 16, USC. Arizona is 25 and three this season, 15 and two in conference play. They lost to Colorado this past week, but still stayed at the number two seed because of the amount of teams that lost in the top 10. So they have this game, then they have Stanford on Thursday, and California on Saturday. Then their season is over, and the Pac-12 tournament starts next week. Ben Matherin has been one of the best players in the nation this season, and Tobelis averaging 15.7 rebounds. USC, on the other hand, 25-4, and 4, only a half-game game worse than Arizona in overall record. Only one and a half games worse in conference record. They're 14 and four this season. USC's kind of been a revelation. They're on a six game win streak right now. They have this game and they have UCLA on Saturday. So two tough games to end their PAC 12 schedule. Uh, Drew Peterson has been one of their unsung heroes, averaging 13.6 rebounds, shooting 43.6% from three. Um, He's been one of the better players, one of the biggest three point snipers in the nation. And you know, he kind of gets slept on a little bit, doesn't get talked about as much as Isaiah Mobley, who's easily their best player. But, um, Arizona versus UST, that's going to be a really good game. Then we got LSU taking on number 14 Arkansas Wednesday at nine o'clock. Uh, that's going on tomorrow night. So, LSU 20 and 9, 8 and 8 conference play. They got this game, then they got Alabama on Saturday, and then their SEC season is over. Tari Eason, the one of the best players in the SEC this season, averaging 17.7 boards. Then Arkansas, on the other hand, uh, was red hot, beat, beat Kentucky this past week and jumped all the way up to a 14 seat. J.D. Note, one of the uh, leading scorers in the nation, averaging 19.1 points. Arkansas is 23 and six this season, 12 and four in conference play. They, Beat Kentucky this past week, as we said, they're on a four-game win streak. So they have this game tomorrow, and then they have Tennessee on Saturday, and then their SEC season is over. Um, and they'll be heading into uh conference play. And we got a couple more comments. We got James Fusco review and preview zone. James March is here. Let's go. It's finally March. It's finally March, baby. I can't wait. So now. Thursday and Friday, not too many big games. Obviously, it's a little bit of a later schedule because I, because you know, there's a bunch of conference games going on, so we don't know those specific games just yet, so I can't include them in in this. Uh, but we'll jump over to Saturday, which we just talked about. Number fourteen, Arkansas taking on number thirteen, Tennessee. So. Just went over Arkansas. They beat Kentucky this past week, four game win streak. They'll be taking on Tennessee, who still ranked higher than them, also twelve they're just like Arkansas, they're 12 and four in conference play. Uh, this will be their final game of the season. They take on Georgia tomorrow, which will be their second to last game. then this game will be their final game. Uh, Santiago Viscovi and Kennedy Chandler, both averaging thirteen point six points a game. Been their star players this season. And we'll show a little love to some A-10 basketball right here. Davidson taking on Dayton Saturday at 12:30 p.m. Final game of the season in the in the A-10 for both of these teams. Davidson has both Davidson was in the top 25, fell out, but they've been dynamic this year 24 and 4 14 and 2 in conference play they got george mason tomorrow night and then they're taking on dayton in the final game before the 8 10 tournament foster lawyer has been their star player 16.5 points and hyung jung lee 16.4 points 5.9 rebounds and one of the best three-point shooters in the nation and dayton on the other hand was red hot they're 29 12 and four in conference play uh they got rich they have richmond tonight and then they're taking on davidson uh, on Saturday, and that's it for their 8-10 season. DeRon Holmes averaging 12, 6, and 2.4 blocks a game. And another big game on this on Saturday, a little Big 12 matchup, number 21, Texas, taking on number six Kansas. Final game of the season for both of these teams, obviously. All now that we're at Saturday, this is pretty much the last game of the season for all these teams. Uh, Texas 21 and 8, 10-6 on the season. They played Baylor yesterday. Timmy Allen's been their star player, uh, averaging 12.4 points. Kansas, on the other hand, has been red hot. They they play TCU twice this week. They're playing TCU tonight, and they play TCU Thursday, and then they have Texas on Saturday. So they got three games left. They're 23-5, and 12-3 in conference play. And uh, McCormick is back. Jalen Wilson's starting to get on fire. Kansas has started to become sung the uh, – um, Slept on team that could make a run in the tournament. You know, when you're filling out your brackets, I think you gotta you gotta remember Kansas. Kansas, when fully healthy, is is really tough. They're a really tough team. So I like I like the I like those odds. And then anytime we got a UNC versus Duke matchup, you got to include it. And I mean, both teams have been good this year too, so have to include that anyway. So we got we got North Carolina taking on number four Duke. Uh, a lot of Duke fans were kind of up in arms because they they only only got a four seed this week. Thought they should have been a little higher because of everyone that lost. Uh they take a, they're playing Saturday at six o'clock. UNC, 21 and 8, 13 and 5 conference play. Armando Baycott has been quietly one of the best players in the nation this year. 16.3 points, 12.5 boards. And Duke, 25-4 and on the season, 15-3 in conference play. They're taking on Pittsburgh tonight. They're on a six-game win streak, so they got Pittsburgh tonight and then North Carolina Saturday, and then they'll be getting ready for the ACC tournament. Paolo Banchero is going to be a top-three pick in this year's draft, averaging 17 points and eight boards. And jumping over to another Pac-12 matchup, we got number 16 USC taking on number 17 UCLA Saturday night at 10 o'clock. Uh, USC, we already went over, but UCLA 21 6, 13 5, and Commerce play their third in the Pac 12. Now they fell all the way down to the 17 to ranked 17th this week. Johnny Juzings had an up and down year. Jaime Hawkes has started to get things going, but it's, he's still been a little bit inconsistent. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of UCLA team we get in this year's tournament. I mean, everybody after their deep run last year, everyone thought that they were going to be, you know, a, a perennial top five team in the nation this year, and they just haven't been able to keep it consistent enough. I mean, 13 to 21 and six overall records, not bad, 13 to five in conference play. It should be a little bit better than that in the Pac 12, especially with how much hype that UCLA got. But this game will go down Saturday night at 10 o'clock. Another late game, another West Coast game for you guys to check out. And then we'll show the American conference a little bit of love because Memphis has been red hot and Houston has been low key. One of the best teams in the nation. We got number 14 Houston at Memphis final game of the season for both these teams before the American conference tournament goes down next week. This goes down Sunday at noon, Houston 24 and four 13 and two in conference play. They're taking on Cincinnati tonight. They play temple on Thursday and then they play at Memphis on Sunday to wrap up their season. Marcus Sasser has been out for the year who was their star player, but Kyler Edwards has really stepped up and become their star player, averaging 13.6 points and 5.9 boards. Memphis, Memphis got off to a little bit of a bad start. People were questioning uh, Penny Hardaway's job again, especially with all the recruits that he was able to bring in, but they've been able to figure it out for the most part. They're 17-9 on the season, 11-5 in conference play, third in the American conference right now. They – play south florida on thursday and then houston on sunday to end their season so they have a pretty light schedule to um this week to end the season jalen duran who is a who by most m- most mock drafts have him going top 10 averaging 12 points 7 boards amani Bates has had an up and down year uh won't he'll, he won't be eligible to enter the nba draft until after next year and he's going to um He's and so he's definitely going to come back for his sophomore year. He's going to have to come back. It'll be interesting to see if he comes if he comes back from Memphis, but it's, um that's that'll be a situation for the for the offseason. And Landers Nolly, averaging 10 points, four rebounds, three assists. And then the final game, we got number 24 Iowa, taking on number 20 Illinois, Sunday at 7 30. So Iowa. 20 and 8, 10 7 conference play. They're taking on Michigan on Thursday. Keegan Murray has, in my opinion, been a top three player of the year finalist. He's been incredible this season, averaging 23 and 8. And Illinois, on the other hand, has Kofi Coburn, who is averaging 22 and 11 on the season. So absolutely amazing year for both of them this is you know always an interesting uh big 10 big 10 matchup iowa takes on michigan on thursday and then they have this game to wrap up their season illinois has got penn state on thursday and then and then iowa on sunday to wrap up their season so those are going to be the top games of the week uh then there's then of course we have the conference tournaments that are going to go down they're going to begin this week so we got the atlantic sun which begins today the horizon begins today uh the big south and the ohio valley begin wednesday missouri valley and the sun belt both begin on thursday and the southern conference begins on friday and then you have the wcc tournament that's uh going down that begins thursday as well so really only the big highlights, the Ohio Valley. You got Murray State, who's 28-2 and two, um, on the season, and Belmont and Moorhead State all in the mix there, along with Northern Iowa. So it's, it's a very interesting conference. Um, then you got the Horizon, who Cleveland State, Purdue-Fort Wayne, who's been a shocking, shocking revelation this season as one of the better mid-majors. Uh, the NEC Tournament. Obviously, I'm alumni of Sacred Heart, so we, I'll be paying attention to that tournament. Bryant is the number one seed. Wagner is the number two seed. So, the NEC tournament will definitely be interesting um, to see who who wins that. And you know, anybody who's a diehard college basketball fan is you know will pay a little bit of attention. It'll be interesting because you know some teams we'll start to see some teams punch their tickets by this weekend, which, which is always fun. It's not the big ones, you know, next week will be the big 10 will be the big East, uh, big 12 Pac 12, the, all of their, the big conference tournaments will be next week, but you get a little taste of, uh, some, some tournament basketball this week with that. And the WCC tournament, uh, speaking of that is a really interesting, I don't know if any of you guys saw the bracket, but The bracket makeup of the WCC is just incredibly stupid. It really is. Because Gonzaga and St. Mary's are two ranked teams. They're the one and two seeds, obviously, in the conference. And they get three buys each. So everybody in the conference makes uh, makes the tournament. But the way they have it set up, Gonzaga and St. Mary's have to win one game in order to make it to the WCC tournament, to the WCC finals. And they have like the lowest teams, uh, like Pacific, they have to win like three games just to make it to playing Gonzaga in, uh, in the conference tournament. So it's, it's almost guaranteed that the conference championship is going to be Gonzaga versus St. Mary's because Gonzaga and St. Mary's can both sit back, relax for most of this week. And then, they just have to beat one team in order to meet each other in the, in the championship. It's incredible. If you guys, uh, if you guys haven't seen it yet, look up the WCC tournament bracket. It's it, the, probably the wildest bracket I've ever seen in my life like that. Like it just, it honestly makes no sense. There are better ways to do, I think it's nine or 10 teams. There's a lot better ways to do, um, you know, a bracket. If you're including all 10 teams, obviously it's an uneven number for, for a bracket, but it's, It's it's crazy. It's basically it's almost completely rigged. Not not like anybody, even if they had a full on bracket and, you know, not like anybody was going to pick off Gonzaga or St. Mary's. You know, those two teams were pretty much going to make it to the finals. Um, They've been running through the WCC like crazy this season. But um, besides that, there there's really not too much. um, There really is not too much competition throughout that league. So, you know, it's not like many other teams had a shot, but just the, you know, the fact that the layout is just very interesting and, you know, kind of makes you think that they're that they really want that Gonzaga versus St. Mary's uh WCC finals, which would draw a lot of attention. I I'd, I'd definitely be tuning in. So, that's going to wrap it up for College Basketball Talk. Now we got Alec Walt backstage. Ready to join us, Alec? How are we doing? I'm doing well, man. Thank you for having me. Of course, been a, been on all of the other review and preview shows. Had to bring you on. Talk yeah. some Bonnies, Talk some Celtics. So, how's everything going?
1: It's going well. Um, it helps when both teams, the basketball teams we're talking about today, are playing well. You know, the Celtics are currently going into this. You know, going on a little hot streak. Have been a little inconsistent since the break has ended. But obviously, the Bonnie's getting close to the eight ten tournament. You've been talking college basketball all night. I've been loving these uh, previews for he- this weekend, but you know, the Bonnies have the a 10 tournament starting next week. They're likely going to get a top-four seed. Uh, could determine a few other seeding points this weekend. To have the game against VCU tonight in Richmond again this weekend. So, obviously, it's the best time of the year. I love March Madness. The Bonnies look like they have a chance to get to the NCAA tournament. Need to play uh, pretty well these next two weeks. They may have an injury, too which I can get to later, but, you know, it's an awesome time of the year and my two teams are playing some awesome basketball.
0: That's it's fantastic. I'll tell you the when the Celtics getting off to the start that they got off to, you know, I thought it was going to be another Celtics year that they've been putting in the last couple of years, you know, a little bit of a disappointment. And, you know, I'm obviously a Knicks fan, so I'm never rooting, never rooting too hard for <laughs> the Celtics, but I have been impressed. I thought the Derek white trade was incredible to be completely yeah. honest with you. I thought that it was a magnificent trade. Um, I thought that that he was pretty much a steal. He's a great guy who can do it on both ends. What are your thoughts on the Celtics revived team during the, after the trade deadline, the Derek white move and yeah, you know, how they can attack the Eastern conference.
1: So the thing with the Celtics is when the season started, like you mentioned, they were inconsistent. You know, they had a brand new head coach uh, they were getting out coached on a nightly basis. They were not playing team defense. They were playing isolation basketball. You know, there were times Ime would look down his bench before they made some adjustments, having no idea who to put in the game. No. And that's not exactly his fault. I don't think his bench options were the best, but it took a while for Ime to truly evaluate his roster. You know, there were some young guards who had the opportunity to take a spot on this team, and none of them really did. Um, yeah. There were, you know, Grant Williams was playing here. That We didn't have a consistent backup big man coming off the bench because we started Al Horford and Enos didn't get that much playing time. So their lineups were kind of all over the place. When Tatum would play the four, they were at a huge defensive disadvantage. Their chemistry defensively at all wasn't there. And when the Celtics finally started to shrink their bench and trust about a group of eight players, They completely took off. Now this Celtics hot street started before the NBA trade deadline and then playing well in that stretch is why I believe he traded the assets to get a Derek White. Because when you looked at the Celtics before the trade deadline, they had a set group of eight guys that were playing. It was the starting five, which has not changed. And then off the bench, which is obviously different now, it was Schroeder, Richardson and Williams. They've now improved. They needed to get bigger. They needed to improve defensively, the ball movement as well. They made some adjustments there. But the Celtics, what they pretty much did at the deadline was improve that eight-man rotation that they finally found. Now they do have some other guards getting playing time. Peyton, Pitch- Peyton Pritchard has been playing much better lately. But you know, when you look through the Celtics, they finally committed to moving the basketball. Uh, we've seen uh, you know Brown and Tatum starting to work together, which we haven't seen very often. Um, They're committed to the defensive end. Horford and Williams looks like one of the better defensive front courts in the league with smart. Who's one of the better on ball defenders in the league. And then you add Derek white, who's playing a six man role and will probably stay in that role throughout the entire year who only helps with the, with the playmaking and very solid defensively. It can play both the one and the two, wherever you need him when the Celtics like to move some of their rotations around. So It was inconsistent at the start. They finally figured out their identity defensively. They improved it with that identity at the deadline. And now they look like a team that can make some noise here in the East. I'm impressed. I did not think the Celtics were going to be this active. Because I don't know how many times you listen to me talk about the Celtics. I talk with Kyle Russo all the time, both on and off the air. I was saying, why give up the assets when you're not a very good team? I mean, they were clearly below the elite class of the Eastern conference. Now I still think they are. I think they've moved a little bit closer here with how they've been playing in the last couple with about month or so, but you know, I was down on them. They finally figured it out at the perfect time. And you know, now they're pretty competitive in a, like you've said earlier, wide open and extremely deep Eastern conference.
0: Absolutely. And I think that, that that was like the main key is that they didn't want another play in, You know, they didn't they want to start to submit to cement themselves in the playoffs consistently being a top seven team. So I totally like even even though I don't see them be they're not in the same class as the Heat, as the Bulls, as the Bucks. you know, the Nets, if they're fully healthy. But again, like I said at the beginning of the show, I don't even I don't think the Nets are going to be much of a force this year, to be completely honest with you, because I don't think that they're that they're going to get fully healthy and they have kind of dug themselves too deep of a hole that I'm not sure they can make a true run. But, you know, the Celtics, they're headed in the right direction. I, I like to it, – it's its nice to see at least, you know, putting some talent around Jason Thames, putting some talent around Jalen Brown. Robert Williams has been uh, one of the big uh, improvements throughout this year, which I thought was was fantastic because I've been saying for years that you guys need a legitimate big man. And Al Horford kind of revived his career after the trade, which which was pretty amazing after being stuck in Oklahoma City all all last season. And Robert Williams is now becoming a legitimate big man in the in the league. So, you know, I thought that you guys had you guys had a bit of an issue with the big man situation, but it's almost pretty much solved now. But it's 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 kind of a work in progress. I definitely agree with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, their defense, no matter front court, back court, wing, didn't matter. It was awful. And yeah. I, I think they finally figured out the best way to use Al Horford. Now, we know Al Horford's getting older. He's not a true five. He can't do with it physically like he used to. And that's what they were relying on Robert Williams to do. But, you know, Horford sets the defense, he's the glue guy there. And ever since Horford's really stepped up his game defensively, Robert Williams has been unstoppable. Now Williams is very undersized. He's about 6'8", 6'9" for a center, which is short, but yeah. he has great leaping ability and he's a very smart rebounder, good shot blocker, so he's finally been able to play like a, you know, a you know, free center. I don't really know the best way to say it, but like he's been he's kind of like broken out. He's finally starting to play loose and be the true version of Robert Williams. So it's been great to see, I mean, him stepping up big time in the front court has helped the Celtics a ton. And, you know, when you get that quality defense, that flow, it's really, Al Horford's presence, wherever he's been, has helped out everyone defensively. Because we look at the Celtics right now, you know, White, Smart, Brown, Horford, and Williams, or and even Grant Williams, you Daniel Tice, all of them are above average yeah. defenders for their position. The only one that Absolutely. really isn't is Tatum. And he's not a defensive liability. Now, yes, when he switches to the four and they play super small, teams switch and can abuse it. I mean, let's be real here. That's really where the mismatch is in that situation. But, you know, the Celtics needed to play to their strength to build an identity, which they did not have, and they finally didn't. And Williams has been a huge part of it because he looks like a true force. Even though at times he's looked undersized, he's been able to step up and be a huge factor here for the Boston Celtics.
0: I I completely agree. So jumping over in the Eastern Conference, who do you like the most? Who do you think is poised to make the the biggest run? Do you have faith in the Nets? Do you have faith in the Bucks making a possible repeat? Who who stands out as you know one of your, one of your top guys?
1: Well, obviously I like the Bucks. You know when you look at Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's such a mismatch. They have great three point shooting. They improve their front court presence at the trade deadline. I mean, they have a very complete team, very well coached. Um, they did win the championship last year. So I still think the Eastern conference runs through the bucks. You can't hate the Miami heat if Victor Oladipo can make an impact here. You know, there he, that's another threat coming off the bench. You know, obviously I can't, I don't think they're going to rely too many minutes for him. Cause he does have, an injury history, but the Miami heat are tough. They're physical. They're very solid defensively. And, you know, if they're playing to the best of their two way abilities, they're going to grind you out. And Jimmy Butler knows how to finish games. I was hoping Tom would listen. I think they're going to be good. I-, I like Philly a lot. Um, I know I like we- we've seen too. very, we've only seen a couple games here with James Harden and, you know, uh, Joel Embiid, but I think they complement each other perfectly. I think they have the true on-ball score, that scoring guard they've been looking for for years with very solid complementary pieces around him. Obviously, Embiid's the best big man in today's NBA, and like this comment says here, you know, the Bulls are dealing with some injuries right now. I do think they need to get fully healthy and get their lineups established by the playoffs, but when you have, you know, Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, who's playing at an MVP, hopefully we can get you know, Williams and Caruso and other guys back, Kobe White's definitely stepped up. And this time, Io Sunmu. their backcourt's probably nice. the deepest in all of the NBA. And I haven't even mentioned Vucevic yet, who is one of the better centers in the league. So if they're fully healthy, you know, I expect them to make a run. You know, DeRozan's a huge addition for them because he has playoff experience, which a lot of these other guys in Chicago don't have. And, you know, I look at that team, I trust them. I think they're very well coached. I think the top four in the East is pretty much established. Now, if I had to choose, you know, I like what I'm seeing out of Philly now. I think it's going to come down to Philadelphia and potentially Milwaukee. And I do right now like Milwaukee. I do need to see more games against some of the better teams in the NBA to truly say Philadelphia is going to overtake them. Now, I did I did jump the gun and say that I think Philly's going to win the East in my video when they made the trade. Um you know, I, I do. I do think they definitely have a chance too, and I think adding a DeAndre Jordan off the bench, which they absolutely need, because their be- their depth behind Joel Embiid is really, really bad. But I, I like the Bucks. I like the Sixers right now. Those are the two teams I'm picking. Don't I? I if Miami plays the Philly, that's going to be a brutal matchup. Yeah, that's I all think, I'll say.
0: Yeah, Bam versus Joel. That and then Jimmy versus
1: uh um, Harden.
0: Yeah, that's that's gonna be interesting. That'll yeah, be really So th-
1: I, that'll be a series. That, but Philly better hope they get a Chicago in that situation because I think Embiid would just take over. No no discredit to Vucevic, but yeah it's a that's a little bit of a mismatch in the way that both those guys play in a seven game series. Yeah. Uh but I I I think those three are the best in my opinion, I don't want to say like make it seem like I'm discounting Chicago, but they need some guys to come back.
0: I agree. I think that Chicago's almost there, but I don't th- I'm not too sure um that they're going to, you know, get it done this year. I think that they're going to be start to become one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference consistently. They're really good. They've taken they're, a massive
1: step forward this year.
0: They're extremely good, and I think that all of their pickups in the offseason were perfect too. De- DeRozan, Lonzo Ball even though he's been hurt for a while, a uh, perfect kind of player for that team Desumu was a steal in the draft i was saying it. Yeah. i said it all of last year that disumu is going to be one of the better players in this draft and he ended up falling into the second round i have no clue how i thought he should have been at least a late first but yeah the bulls are putting together a decent squad you know i think that the sixers especially watching them kind of give the Knicks a spanking, uh, this past this past weekend on Sunday, mm. um, kind of kind of hit me that, the the Sixers Sixers are a good team and they're going to be pretty nasty, especially with Harden and, and Embiid. They kind of they're going to go really well together, I think, and that's kind of like the player that Embiid needs to be with. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that Embiid right now is the favorite to win MVP. A lot of people were saying too that. You know, maybe John Morant will overtake him because, you know, Har- with Harden there, he'll take away some of the stats, all that kind of stuff. I think I, I'm i not even too sure about that. I think that Embiid um, is going to keep doing what he does. And I think that Harden is going to absolutely take over. And, you know, this could be the Sixers could also make a deep run. I agree yeah, with I, that.
1: I mean, when you look at the pieces around James Harden right now, you know they have Tyrese Maxey, who's a combo guard, can play the one of the two. He's going to have to adjust his game a little bit because he's been required to be mainly the on-ball guy since Ben Simmons basically said he wasn't playing for the Sixers again. So yeah. now that Harden's a more ball-dominant player, he's going to have to adjust. He's been fine since, but that is something to keep an eye on. He's not going to be he's not going to be used as much with the basketball. You look he has defense. You know D- uh, Danny Green, even though he hasn't been great since the trade. No one on their bench really has been great. That's why I think adding someone like DeAndre could be key because their depth specifically at the five is terrible. Um, so if they can add him officially sign him, I don't think they've signed him yet, but all po- signs are pointing to Jordan eventually being uh, the backup to a Joel Embiid. They have, you know, wing yeah. defense with uh, Ty Bull and, you know, Tobias Harris. Tobias is also a very good offensive player. You know, Shake Milton can be a decent, you know, spark guy off the bench. You know, I yeah. still don't love the, the the who's there. But Philly has all the pieces they need. They need to stay healthy. Um, Harden and Embiid are two guys who have not yet won a championship and are very hungry to win one. And when you look at James Harden, this is now his third team in two years. He needs to take that step. He needs to win a big series. I think – you know, winning the East would be huge for him winning it. He's got to do it. I mean, I think it'd be a huge for his legacy this season specifically. So, you know, they have a championship winning star player. um, They have a championship winning head coach or a championship caliber star player. And beat has won one yet, but they have all the pieces they need. They just need to come together at the right moment. And what I've seen early on, it's been excellent. I, I mean, I did a video earlier uh, with Kyle Russo talking about it. I mean, you know what these two could potentially do. You know if Harden can make a Tyrese Maxey better, you know he can get some of his defense, you know defensive liabilities taken care of with the addition of a Thibodeau and Embiid, who's a very good defensive player. So that can work here. I, I'm very high on Philly. And I hate to say it as a Boston guy, but know. they knocked this trade out of the park. They got a player like James Harden, one of the best players in basketball. And the centerpiece of the deal going back was a player who said he was never going to play for this team ever again. Now, yes, they did give up two other starters and two other draft picks to make the deal official, but I think Maury could not have done a better job getting a piece like Harden to contend for a title this year with the 76ers.
0: I completely agree, and I think that James Harden, too, um, has become kind of like one of the big jokes of the NBA, especially with you know the way he left the Rockets and then the way he left the Nets. He can erase all of that instantly with a championship with the Sixers and kind of flips his legacy very quickly. So before we wrap, remember
1: how he left.
0: Oh, absolutely. He
1: basically said he was going to Philly and the deal happened. Like it was, there, there was something a little,
0: there there was something off with it, which is, you know, definitely, definitely an interesting thing. But before we wrap things up, the Bonnies, we got, got to get your opinion, A 10 tournament coming up. How do you feel? How do you feel about them making a tournament? What's going on? What's going on with Kyle Lofton, too?
1: Kyle Lofton's uh one of the better guards here in the Atlantic 10. He's he's the leader of the Bonnies. You know, he's a guy yeah. that gets a lot of assists per game. Um, you know, he's a guy that the Bonnies gonna have to rely on a ton here if they want to make a run. Where I'm concerned with the Bonnies, and I don't want to start here, but I have to, is their best player, Osun Osunii. Uh their defensive, you know, rock star. They're one of the best defensive, likely defensive player of the year in the Atlantic 10 had a pretty bad ankle roll the other night, you know, um, against St. Joe's and he w- did they put he put no weight on it. Now, I don't expect him to play tonight. If he's someone who needs extended time off, it could really affect the Bonnies because they don't have as much depth, you know, in their front court. As soon a player they need playing to the best of visibility, if they want to make a run here, but they're a very experienced team. You know, with Oshun, they have five senior starters on a team that played in the NCAA tournament last year. Uh, they've won six consecutive games. They have a game tonight against VCU, who plays ne- not the caliber of an NCAA tournament team, but you're getting closer When you play a team like VCU, one of the better teams in the Atlantic 10. And, you know, you're going to need to win these tough physical games if you want to make a run in this tournament. And you look at the A-10 right now, you got Davidson, Dayton, VCU, Richmond, St. Louis, all teams that are very competitive. And I'm not too scared of St. Louis. They're a team that can grind out wins. So if you have a bad shooting night, they can definitely beat you. But Davidson's one of the better shooting teams in college basketball. Dayton's extremely well coached. Um, you look at a team like VCU, they're physical and they've been to the tournament often. They grind out wins as well. They play full court press pretty much all game. That's been the shock of smart way. And all his assistants who've been there ever since, that's exactly the way they coach their teams. Richmond is, you know, very good from a guard perspective, but the Bonnies have the most experience from any team here in the Atlantic 10. They're playing their best basketball right now, but if there's no Oshun. I think they're going to have a lot of trouble because he's their most important player defensively because they've really stepped it up defensively in this current hot streak. And a lot of it had to do with their presence, having the best five defensively in the Atlantic 10. So if he's gone, Ooh, it's going to be trouble in the conference. But if he's there, I think the Bonnies I wouldn't be surprised if they were the favorite or nearly the favorite to win the conference with having five senior starters.
0: Absolutely. I think that's, uh, the A-10 is going to be a very interesting, uh, interesting tournament. We also yeah. got Tom Scavetta breaking some news for us. Oh, God. Jalen Brown just went down, non-contact injury. So that's going to be something that we'll have to do some research with af- after the show. Hopefully, uh, there's nothing bad there. But it's... that's going to wrap it up for tonight's episode. I want to thank everyone who tuned into the Review and Preview Network to watch another episode of the 3 and D. And to all those listening via podcasts, YouTube, etc., you can also follow the show on Twitter at the Three D Alec. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can the audience find you?
1: So you can find me on my channel is on YouTube only. It's called Down the Block Sports. Um, I host a show called the Alec Walt show. Keep it extremely simple. I do, you know, try and do an interview every week or so. I have guests on recently. I've had Kyle Russo here from Review and Preview Sports on very frequently. I talk about everything, you know, football, basketball, you know, baseball, hockey, you know, about too much baseball recently, of course, with this lockout yeah. and now. Yeah. Even more news, and maybe, maybe I'll do a video on that sometime soon. But I cover all major sports, hopefully do some college basketball NFL draft coming up. So, you know, give me a follow. I love to talk sports. I got about 687 subscribers right now, uh, getting a, about a week or two, actually a week from today, away from my one-year anniversary. So, uh, please, if you're listening, give us me a follow or subscribe on YouTube. It's Down the Block Sports.
0: Everyone go check that out. Everyone give a subscription. Alec does a great job over there. Um yeah, the baseball news ruined my day. I'll tell you what. When I when I saw that, I was following it along all day at work and my god. I Yeah, cuz
1: you you like my my work for MLB Network Radio.
0: Th- that's right. You work for MLB Network. Yeah.
1: So, these last couple months I've been having to produce 3-hour shows and there's been a lockout, so yeah. it's been challenging. I cannot wait for this to be over.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week and stay tuned for more updates and brand new episodes coming every Monday, at every Tuesday at the new time, seven o'clock. We were Monday at eight thirty. Now we're Tuesday at seven. Have a great night, everyone.